Welcome to Breaking Big, where we interview people about their careers in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Aaron Neumeyer. Everyone here at Thunder Tally Media is so excited to announce that we are being featured on the Hoo Ha Ha app under the Podcast We Love section. They are on a mission to spotlight and support women in comedy. One of the ways they do that is by amplifying women's voices, like this podcast. If you haven't already, go check out the hoohaha.com website and make sure you download the app. That's where you'll find my podcast and all the other shows featured under the Podcast We Love section. And now I'd like to welcome you to Breaking Big. This is the one with Mary Simmons. We are happy to welcome this week's guest, Mary Simmons. She's an actress, singer-songwriter for herself and other artists who's worked with Zach Lloyd, and a vocal coach. She was born in La Jolla, but grew up in North Carolina and has a BFA in theater from East Carolina University. When she was five, she saw an old Shirley Temple movie and decided that she wanted to be just like her. In addition to working in front of the camera, Mary has done some composing for music videos, and she also works as a social media manager, helping more than 200 people get their Instagram accounts looking amazing and gaining followers. I know she is incredible at this because she's currently helping me with mine. Hi, Mary. I am thrilled to have you on the show. Hi, Erin. Thank you for having me. What a kind introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're amazing. You know, I adore working with you. So I want other people to know. Working with you. Thank you. I usually start the show out with uh, hearing how you got started in the entertainment industry. So why don't you tell me, um, how did you get your start? Yeah, I I just kind of, my earliest memories are me making up songs. Uh, I just kind of always knew I wanted to do it did a talent show when I was five. I think my first like audience was of like 500 people. My mom was like, are you nervous? I was like, no, I'm ready. (laughs) I just always uh, was creating and wanted to be performing and we're still doing it. So (laughs) that went pretty pretty boring and straightforward. (laughs) Um, I don't think performing to an audience of 500 is boring. That's pretty crazy. I wonder if you uh, remember which uh, Shirley Temple film you saw. Do you remember on television how it was, you know, like the 1-800 for the Shirley Temple collection? And oh, was- yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure the commercial is what got me. I'm pretty sure it was like, I was like, we need the collection. And also I want to do that. And how do I get an eight? Like, how do I sign up? I was all about it. And I'm pretty sure it was an as seen on TV Shirley Temple collection. I totally used to watch Shirley Temple movies because my mom was like huge into watching uh, the Three Stooges and like all the old black and white things. Oh, yeah. We always had that channel going on our TV. I've probably seen quite a few of them in it. <laughs> she used to do this thing. I, I think it's called pastiche. It's uh, an imitation of something, but it's usually not like right on point or anything. So it'd be like Shirley Temple would be in these little short films that were parodying films of the time. So they were the same exact storyline, but everybody in it would be like five, you know? (laughs) Yes. Okay. When you mentioned her, I looked her up because, you know, she, I mean, she only passed away in like 2014. It was amazing to me because I just feel like, you know, that was so long ago, um, you know, when she was doing the acting because, uh, so I looked it up and she had done about, like 30 films before the time she was 10. 
Oh my gosh. Is that crazy? That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. What talent. And then, you know, I knew the Good Ship Lollipop song. So I looked up that film was called Bright Eyes. Okay. So, and that's okay. what she did to her little famous, you know, um, I won't sing it for you now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I probably could. Come yeah. on, give us what we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the singer here. So, you know, feel free. <laughs> um, I also see that you studied in, at East Carolina University. So I know you said you grew up in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that you went to school on the East Coast. Yeah, no, it was... Um, it was one of those things where I knew I wanted to pursue performing. I was touring schools. There's a lot of really, really great theater schools in North Carolina. I went to go see a production of The Wild Party. I just knew that was the school for me. I just thought it was absolutely incredible. And I was like, I found it. <laughs> We're going here. <laughs> and just, I just thought it was everything about it was so well done and well crafted and the performers were so strong. And I, um, and I remember it was one of those like really imperfect days because one of my contacts had fallen out. So I watched the entire show with one. (laughs) And I think I was like, I still love it. I'm still going here. It's still great. I was like, I'm having a really bad day because I can't see, but I I like this school a lot. I just, I, yeah, I was blown away. by the students and their performances and the whole team. So I auditioned and I got in and it was, it was a a fun time. It was a great four years. I learned a lot and um, moved out here very shortly after. Were you in a performing arts high school too? I wasn't. I went to a very typical high school. I was working professionally outside of school and I did a couple of the school programs as well. And I was just really lucky to grow up in a place where there was a lot of performance opportunities. There were great vocal coaches, great acting coaches, theaters, agents. Because at the time, Wilmington was kind of the Atlanta. (laughs) Wilmington, North Carolina was where a lot of these shows were filming. And I was really lucky to be introduced to film in North Carolina, so close to home and be a part of legitimate projects, filming and studying with very legitimate people. So it really prepared me well for being out here because it really wasn't a big shift. It was Mm -hmm. just location. Wow, that's really cool. Were you mostly in the musical theater then? Because I know you're a singer. I went, yeah, I, I still love it all. When I look at the course of my life, there's been years that have been really predominantly musical theater. There's been years that have been predominantly pop, sometimes more film. Sometimes I've had years where I've, I've been dance, theater, <laughs> like everything at once. Um, but I just, I love art. I love performance. I love creating. I love writing. I love uh, telling stories that that's still a love of mine. I still, um, study with a voice teacher and we still work on musical theater pieces. I still, I haven't been auditioning for theater as much. I mean, a lot of it because of COVID, but you know, that there's still so many like musicals that are being adapted to film and things of that nature. So it's still really relevant to me, even though I haven't been in New York or on that scene for a little bit now. Do you have a favorite show? It, de- it kind of depends on the mood. I do love cabaret i was in a production of cabaret in college that was so much fun i do love that show i love the characters i would say that's that's up there for sure i know la like isn't really known for its theater but we have like all these great like there's like the fringe festival there's all these great um like 
black box theaters and stuff that are just all over the place. And then we kind of have a little bit of a theater row. Uh, is it on like Larchmont or something? I'm trying to remember. There's a lot of theater in Southern California. I would like to explore it more. I, I don't know a lot about it. I'm sure it's very competitive and difficult as all theater is. So I'm not acting like I can just go sign up for show. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of it. And I, to be truthful, I, I haven't explored it as much and it's something I would love to do. Yeah. I did some shows back in the day and, uh, it was always a little tough getting people in the seats. Uh, I think the comedy shows were a little bit easier as far as like getting, uh, people to come see them because, you know, it's usually like, let's have some cocktails and see a, you know, improv show or yeah. something. Yeah. As opposed to like, let's go drink some cocktails and cry. <laughs> yeah. Well, literally I, I put up, um, I, for a little while there, I was really wanting to get back into theater here and yeah. uh, I put up a few shows and one of them was called wait until dark, which, uh, I played the lead and she's blind. Right. Wow. And I was so excited because I was getting to do this awesome part and we had this great director and we had this like small theater. I mean, I think there was only like a hundred seats or something in there. And I remember we had really this ambitious goal of running for several weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I literally was like doing this thing where you, I think they were called like golden tickets or something. And you like offered them to the, like the senior citizens in the uh -huh. area for free just okay. to get people to come to the yeah. show. So, but it was, it was, yeah, it was great because, uh, you know, people were there, you know, like it's not yeah. fun to do a show to only like. 20 people or whatever. No, but. it's not. And I've done, that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that many times. Wait, when was this? Oh, this was before my, I had children. And oh, okay. I was like, why was not invited? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this was, okay. like I said, this was a while ago. It was, you know, it was one of those things where I loved it so much and I was spending so much of my own money, mm -hmm. you know, producing mm -hmm. this thing with the idea that we would make some money back and not like a lot of money back, but like the cost of the show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So wait, are you, are you still interested? I'm like, are we going to write a play? Like, are we like, doing what? this? Let's do it. I got this great location. Yeah. Like what's going on? Are you still planning on doing I, more of that? I or? love theater. I love it. And my son yeah. was, is really getting into it now, which I'm, it's one of those things like to segue just a little bit here. Cause I know, you know, yeah. my family, you know, when we first signed with agents and everything, uh, they were like, don't do theater because if you're, if they're trying to book you on a TV show or right get you into commercial auditions you have to have your whole schedule free yeah and like the theater is a huge commitment I mean you can't really miss rehearsals and you certainly can't miss a show no you know so it's no. like it, it, I yes I have I've heard don't do theater don't do cruise ships because you're out for like weeks and yeah, yeah you can't but I think it depends you know on who you're working with and who you know if you guys share the same goals and there's a way. <laughs> well, right now, actually, both my kids are in shows because Great. it's like um, with the way things were, the industry really hadn't ramped back up. And so mm -hmm. I was like, do it. Now he's just like, screw it, I'm doing it. So now he's also in the musical Legally Blonde, which I didn't actually oh. realize was a musical. Oh, yes, you know? it is. That's I so am. Funny. I saw that on Broadway when it. Oh, really? Opened, when it first like in like the first or second week. And I had no idea what to expect because the soundtrack wasn't even available yet. So I was like, what is this even going to sound like? And I fell in love. Who is he playing? Uh, actually, he's in the ensemble this round. Amazing. But great. yeah, it is. It actually is really great. Because the ensemble is so fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. I feel like ensemble gets a bad rap. 
like, oh, you're just an ensemble. But, you know, the truth is it's a great experience no matter what. She was one of the leads in the play that just wrapped. Mm -hmm. And so the school basically asks you up front at the beginning of the year, are you more focused on theater or more focused on musicals? And so he did theater. So like, you know, now he has to kind of like be a supporting person, which, you know, you know, it's important, I think. It is important to do both. And ensemble is hard work. It's not, it's, um, and especially if you're ensemble and an understudy or a swing or something like it's a lot to learn. It's a lot to do. I've done it. It's hard. And it, it's uh, definitely nothing to be like, oh, just ensemble. It's, mm-hmm. it's still a big deal. You know, what's funny is my daughter is ensemble in uh, Aladdin and cool. uh, she was so disappointed to be ensemble because her brother was the lead in Clue. And uh, and but now that he's ensemble, she just got a huge ego boost from it. It's so funny. <laughs> She's like, oh, if ensemble is good enough for him, then I guess I'm real happy. You know? And that will be the trajectory for the rest (laughs) of their careers one day you're the lead the next day you're the ensemble then you don't make it then you get pinned 20 times yeah no (laughs) it's a roller coaster (laughs) yeah yeah it's been crazy but uh, he's super excited he also races mountain bikes and I think like even for you know for all people not just kids it's really important to be well-rounded you know like I'm sure you don't only do acting you probably have some like like what hobbies do you have it's funny so I I really didn't have many hobbies. I was very artistic as a kid. So I would enjoy taking art classes or, you know, doing sketching, drawing, painting, like all of that stuff was so much fun. And I kind of lost it for a while because I was so involved with just school, acting, music, and then, you know, later social media, maybe because of the pandemic, I'm not really sure, but it's, it's been fun to, to be a beginner at something because it does make you more well-rounded. It is important. Mm-hmm. So now I've over the past couple of years, I've been more into cooking or um, taking a, a little class, like a master class or something on like interior design or something that's mm-hmm. really, and I feel like it's funny because, you know, for a while I was just so laser focused, but being well-rounded is so important because I feel like through doing these other things, I'm better at acting. I'm a more well-rounded person. It's, it's very mm-hmm. funny how that works. So I have been cooking, uh, working on like design skills, trying to get back into my artsier, like visually artsier side. Tried knitting recently. Oh, how'd that <laughs> it go? Was, it was a bit of a fail, um, <laughs> but uh, somebody will have a really messy scarf for Christmas and <laughs> it'll keep them warm on a cold day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I think that that stuff is really important, but hobbies, I'm just kind of figuring it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you do a lot already. So, I mean, you know, with, uh, with the singing and writing, um, that's a lot. I guess those are kind of hobbies sometimes too, because sometimes I'll just write something and I'm like, it's not really, this isn't really to go anywhere. It's just to express, create, do, you know, Mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm either making something or thinking about making something. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. I drive my family a little crazy. I <laughs> you know, that's just, we are, you gotta be, yeah, I'm you sure gotta you. be you. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure you don't drive them crazy. I'm sure they love it. One of the things you told me is you just have to be your authentic self. Like that's a big thing right now. And, yes. and, and so like having those skills like cooking, I mean, there's been so many uh, auditions that have been popping up. that are like somebody who really does this or really yeah. does. You know? So, so it's like having a, that more well-rounded experience might actually get you a job. <laughs> it's so true. It's so, mm-hmm. and 
and just having experiences in general. Like, you know, I worked so hard, especially in college. I worked so hard. Like I was always in the building really early in the morning, taking classes that I wasn't even signed up for just to like, it was always such a, I worked so hard and it gets to a point where you're like, well, where is your like human essence? And (laughs) whether it's like traveling the world and just kind of like experiencing a different culture or knitting a terrible scarf, like (laughs) doing other things can be really beneficial for a lot of reasons. (laughs) I, I agree with you. And just especially uh, these days when our whole lives ha- have this upheaval, it can be really nice to have something that sustains you, you know, outside of work. Speaking of work, I was reading up on your IMDb and I noticed you were in a Demi Lovato video. I did. I did. I have nothing but wonderful things to say about Demi. It was an absolute honor to be part of it. It was a very quick turnaround a very special moment for me for a lot of reasons. I'm a huge Demi fan and I'm also a huge fan of the director, Hannah Lux Davis, who um, has done some of the most iconic Ariana Grande videos. She's done. Hannah Lux Davis is just so cool to me. Like I've just always been obsessed with her videos and I think she's amazing. So such a treat <laughs> to work with both of them. It was really yeah, that's great. And plus, I love that song. Um, I love me. I mean, it's got such a great message. And, you know, Demi's been really open about having, you know, personal struggles. And I, you know, one of my favorite lyrics in that song where she says, um, I'm 10 out of 10, even when I forget it. So it's just yes. sort of like loving yourself. And yes. Yeah, you know, not letting everybody else bring you down, you know, so. So that was very cool. I just thought that was super fun. Uh, But it leads me to a question I have about music videos, uh, because I have always been told, you know, not to work on them. Now, granted, you've got to work on a great music video, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people out there that are making videos that are maybe... um, I don't know, not not necessarily something you would be proud to be on. Or like I've heard that sometimes the sets are a hot mess, you know, like they're just um, disorganized and they don't treat you well. And you never get to see the footage anyway, because you're like (laughs) only a blip or, you know, you're blurry in the background, that kind of thing. I mean, uh, that was not my experience with the the Demi video at all. It was extremely professional. I I mean, I was kind of just a very short thing, but it was, it was special and it was still a SAG project. And, um, I, it probably depends on production company to production company, Mm -hmm. artists to artists, labels, managers. Um, I'm not going to say I've never been on a music video set and it's been a mess because I sure have, especially when I was, was, you know, fresh to LA, but they weren't, um, at the level of someone like Demi Lovato. And that was, that was very cool. It was an honor to be a part of it. So I don't know. I think, I think, you know, there's so much that varies from production to production. And I think you just got to feel it out. And if you're on set and it's a total mess or there's something you're uncomfortable with, or, I mean, that's, that's when you call your manager and you say, mm-hmm. help me what's going on. And, and you just have to navigate it in the most professional way you possibly can. 
but with music videos, I feel like it's really difficult to tell if it's a, a good project or not. Like this film that I'm in that's coming out. Um, well, we're getting to see the premiere of it this December, but I think it'll be oh. out on streamers next year. Yeah. Um, the lead actor. Thank you. Um, the lead actor, uh, uh, Justin Birdie, he showed up to a music video. I can't remember, but I feel like he gets like water sprayed all over him or something like he's oh. extremely featured. But oh, it's I like what video was. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have to look it up if I, if I find it. I'll put it in the show notes. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't know what he was showing up for. Like, I feel like with music videos, it's really hard to gauge if it's going to be like a quality production or, you know, how did you know this was going to be a good one, even though you didn't know who the artist was when you took the job? Yeah, I didn't know who the artist was, but I did know the production company and the location we were filming at. And, and I knew it was going to be directed by Hannah Lux Davis. And I know I was familiar with her work and she had such amazing vision in her work and I just trusted it. But, you know, ultimately have I been in situations where I, you know, especially when I was first starting, you just have to know your boundaries. You have to know your values as an artist and as a performer and a worker. And I think, I think as time goes on, that's something that hopefully um, people are more respectful of. I'm already seeing a change in that from when I like first moved to LA versus now, um, people's comfort levels and and what people are uh, willing and not willing to do. And, and, and you have to, I think it's our responsibility a little bit as an artist to know what those are and to have to make those decisions. <laughs> and I think it's, it can be tricky, but ultimately this is your life and it's very important to be professional, but it's also important to, um, I, I know that I have boundaries and I have things that, I'm not willing to do for anybody or anything. And um, if that burns a bridge, then <laughs> I guess that that burns a bridge. But I, I, at the end of the day, at least know I'm being true to myself. Having a good relationship with your team um, can usually prevent these things from happening because they can usually get ahead of it a little bit or help you if you're stuck. Yeah, I definitely feel like now that I'm older, it's much easier for me to say, Heck no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but when I was younger, I, I felt a lot of pressure, you know, to be uh, agreeable. Yeah, well, I think you're like me in the sense where you genuinely want to make people happy <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you want to not get in anybody's way and you don't want to disrupt the flow because you are very aware that there are a lot of moving parts to a project, even mm-hmm one that's a mess there's still a huge team that's involved in a crew and a cat like it's it's a whole thing but I do think there's a difference between being a disruptor like being somebody who's unprofessional like not showing up on time uh having your phone out on a no phone set like I mean there's there's definitely uh there's rule breaking and then there's showing up to do a job that you are genuinely not comfortable with and wasn't informed like you didn't sign a nudity clause or whatever trust your team trust your values and you figure it out and you just do it extremely professionally and kindly and you navigate it the best you can and ultimately you have to do what makes sense for you because you don't know what's going to turn around and even though you might make someone really angry there's going to be a casting director who's going to respect you ultimately i think if you're in that situation like somebody 
wasn't clear to you. <laughs> and and that's oh on yeah. But that's that on them. The like uh like Dylan, you know, this was a long time ago before he was SAG. He booked a like a promotional commercial. It wasn't like gonna be on TV. It was like a longer ad. Right. And we get there and it turns out they want him to jump in the swimming pool. The swimming pool hasn't been heated. There's no studio teacher, which is like most people know that studio teachers aren't there just to teach, but they're there for safety. There was no medic right. or lifeguard or anything like if anything had happened in that pool you know it was so crazy but of course I was there I knew my son could swim they were only having him jump in and then get right out so I wasn't like overly worried but he was freezing and very uncomfortable and it was definitely one of those things where I feel like that production company would have learned a huge lesson if we would have left but instead they learned oh we can probably get away with this kind of crap <laughs> you, enabled, <laughs> you enabled their bad day yeah um I mean yeah ultimately those are the things that I try to get as much information as I can sometimes it's not always available because they don't have it figured out yet. But mm-hmm. I remember, you know, it's funny. I forgot about this until now, but um, I, I pulled out on a pin because it was something I was uncomfortable with. They switched my part. So I auditioned for one thing, but then I was pinned for another. And I remember I, I found out what it, what it was. I was, it was actually a safety issue. I was uncomfortable. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. feel, feel okay doing that. And I found out it, it was like stunt work. I would be doing it. And I didn't want to do it. So I pulled the pin and I felt really guilty about it. But my agent was like, don't, (laughs) don't feel guilty about it. Like it's okay. And it was a lot of money. I felt bad, but it was one of those things where I was like, it's not for me and I can't do it. And it's, I'm not, I'm not the girl. And there's going to be some girl out there who got that job is going to be so grateful, (laughs) got a huge check and they're going to love working with her. And I, I would have been the disruptor on that set. I would have been nervous to do it. I I know that I'm not comfortable with certain things. I just had to honor that. But yeah, it was information that I didn't even audition for that part. I wouldn't have taken the audition if I knew they were going to be having to do those things. So that's what I mean by navigating it and just like having communication. And it's, there's a difference between being annoying up front (laughs) versus being annoying later. Because like dropping out on a pin, I mean, you didn't mess up anything on the day. They didn't have to hurry up and find a rush. Like like that was probably the best, you know. I I probably saved their budget. (laughs) They probably would have cut me anyway because I knew it wasn't something that I was okay with. It didn't reflect my values and it didn't respect my comfort zone. And it was something I was genuinely afraid of for my safety even Mm -hmm. though I'm sure they would have been fine, but I don't know that. I don't know that. And it wasn't something that I was okay with. Right. No. And you have to, you have to be looking out for yourself in these situations. I mean, like bottom line. So you moved to LA around seven years ago and that's probably given you an opportunity to take a lot of cool classes. Uh, Are there any that you really enjoyed or got a lot out of? Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Joshua Labar studios. I've been there for three years, I think, um, in his ongoing class. Um, I mean, he's great. He's a great coach. He has a pretty hefty resume himself and is very supportive of his students. And he, I did online classes with him throughout um, most of 2020. I'm in an in-person class now. Um, I go weekly. I'm I'm really serious about my training. So um, he's been really good to me. And the whole studio, this community has been really good to me. So are you in any organizations uh, that are like great for networking or, um, you know? You know, I'm not in directly in an organization, but I do find that just talking to people, being genuine with people, <laughs> connecting with people on social media 
Um, you know, obviously I'm going to say that cause I'm the Instagram girl, but like, it's, <laughs> it's true. I think just like, um, you, you know, like getting on platforms and, and, and connecting with people extremely genuinely is, you know, that's all networking really is like when it's done properly, it's just <laughs> making friends and finding common interests and being kind and just connecting with whoever you can. So I don't have a organization. I know there's a ton of wonderful ones out there. I'm definitely not opposed to joining any of them, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I can't say that I am, but you know, I find that I, I'm always just curious about people and interested in what people are doing. And I'm happy to talk to whoever and that, you know, I've, I've made a lot of great friends and connections just by doing that. What are you working on right now? I know you said you kind of uh, have several sticks in the fire, as my uh, mom used to say. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything that you're working on that you can talk about? I wish I could talk about more, but I, um, I'm hoping that six months from now, you'll see some cool stuff from me and we can say like, oh, that's what it was. Oh yeah, cool. That's great. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to circle back with you sometime in the yeah, future. I'm, I'm working with some, right now I'm working with some great collaborators and I'm super excited and I hope that things pan out, but I also, you know, it's, it's partial superstition and I've been offered roles and then they've been cut. I've been, I mean, like it happens all the time. So I try to just let the work speak for itself, not to be like, <laughs> Hollywood dramatic, but it's true. I mean, I, I, I hope things work out, but a lot of things fall through and I think it's important. Um, just work really hard and not always keep my hopes up <laughs> and not tell it to the world before it happens. Cause I don't, I haven't been on that yet. <laughs> I've just uh, been told I'm going to be. <laughs> that's true. So. Yeah. I feel like, um, I want to make some actor memes because I think that we're not flaky. <laughs> Actors are actually incredibly hardworking, uh, dependable. I mean, like they will go a hundred extra miles for you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but we get this reputation for being flaky because you can't talk about what you're working on. Um, <laughs> things change all the time. The dates move. Uh, you're pinned for one thing and then pinned for something else. Like, so it, yeah. you appear to be flaky on the outside, but really you're just like hustling, you know? Yeah. Really. You're just ultra committed, but you know, it's true. Like you just, you just, you never know until it's on television. If you even made the cut, you never know until you're on set. You never know until you have your paycheck and your contract. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, and, it, and it's not just our industry. It's, it's a lot of entertainment. I've been offered so many things in music. My boyfriend's in the entertainment industry and like, there's, there's, it's all talk until it happens. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it from pretty much every single person that I don't think anyone would argue that. <laughs> Oh, no, you are so right. I mean, I'm working on a, a short film project and it deals with gun violence prevention, which yes. is like so prevalent right now. And right. I mean, just sadly, a few days ago, there was another school shooting. I mean, it like breaks my heart. And I think this movie needs to get made. Mm -hmm. And I, I keep trying to get it going. And then somebody gets on a project and they're not available. Or I, like right now, I'm trying to put uh, together some stuff to put offers out to some actors. It'll make a big difference, like which direction the project goes based on which actor says yes. And so I've got all these people going, what's happening? What's happening? And I am like, I can't say because until the next thing happens, we're, you know, we're just like slowly pushing this rock up a hill. Yeah. A lot of projects are like that. And it's unfortunate, but film is so beautiful because it's so, it's such a collaboration from pre-production to production to post-production. Like, I mean, there's so much that happens in post. I think that's where a lot of the magic really happens. It's hard to complete because there's so many independent parts of the machine mm -hmm. and it's like wrangling cats a little bit sometimes, <laughs> especially yeah. coming off a pandemic and 
you know, you kind of take work whenever you can get it. And it's hard. It's a lot to balance. Yeah. And it's expensive. Like if you're trying to get your own project going, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like another project, I've just tightening up a re-edit, but I want a colorist to go through. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm getting quotes all over the place. And I'm thinking, oh, I want to pay these people what they uh, deserve. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't necessarily have that kind of money. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, ah, oh, what do I do? You know, it's always a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> it is a challenge. And it's coloring is a very hard job. It's all hard. And mm-hmm. these are skilled people. And it's difficult to navigate it because if you want your project to be quality, oftentimes involves paying up. And it's like, how is anything supposed to get done? But I think, you know, once again, it goes back to just being professional, navigating things. It might take a little extra time or you might have to fundraise or crowdfund. Like there's so many different things. There's so much, but ultimately, you know, I think if your passion is there to get it done, it will get done. I fully believe in you. You basically have two different jobs going. You've got all of your acting and singing career, but then you also have all of the social media management. And I'm really curious how you got into that. You know, what you like about it or, you know, what's challenging. It was funny. I actually, you know, I was a theater major in our senior year. My main musical theater professor was really, really awesome at like explaining like, you need to be online. Like you need a reel, you need tools. You might have to have a website. There was, you know, I was like learning the real business of this side of it. And I think we had people from other departments show us how to edit and show us how to do these things, you know, basically how to market yourself. And so I started kind of learning it in college just from that. We didn't, Instagram influencing wasn't really a thing yet. We had Instagram, but it wasn't what it is today. But you know, the the interest and the understanding of it started there. I enjoy that it allows me to help people find ways to translate their authenticity to something that can be easily accessed by people who might want to work with them, but also, um, you know, everybody else, help them create communities for themselves, help them know that it's okay to be authentic. We're able to package that up in a way that makes sense for the client and makes them feel really good about their online presence. I did hear that <laughs> Facebook kind of like rebranding with their meta, like they're going to have uh, a whole digital world where people can experience a parallel life to their real world existence. That's a quote, by the way, of what they what they're saying about themselves. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like, what opportunities might be out there in the future? You know, I can't speak to it too much because I don't know exactly. But I think I think with any kind of platform, there's going to be new tools at our disposal to connect with other people. It scares me a little bit. I have to be honest that's like a lot. And I hope people are still in the real world and going to concerts in person and doing (laughs) things in the real world and not always focusing on social media. One of the joys I get from a social media manager is it allows people to live their real lives because I'm taking a lot of the pressure off by um, assisting them with it and being there for them and supporting them and making them feel confident in the experience. So I don't know about Meta. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) Um, You know, one of the things that you did was you helped me a lot with my branding. I think that's a real strength that you have. Um, When we were first talking the years ago, you were the one that helped me get the Your Neighbor, the Newmeyers going. And I was like kind of really resistant to naming a thing my name. And I think that can be the case with a lot of creators. Like it's hard because you have to like become your own brand. And then we talked a lot about just being our authentic selves and like, you know, I'm a vegetarian and I like to go to the beach and play music. And I never would have thought to share all those pieces, but then you were so good at constructing this whole 
plan. What's going on with that now is like authenticity still the thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's super straightforward. Actually. I think authenticity is always key. And I think on the flip side of that, I would never tell a client to overshare or share something they're not comfortable with. Like if you're a vegetarian, but you don't want to talk about that on social because of ABC and family members and diet and that like, don't do it. Like I would never push somebody to do things they're not comfortable with. But what I typically always start with is I just try to get to know a client. I just say like, write me a list of 20 things you like. They can be colors, TV shows, music artists, um, food you like. Let's start categorizing. Let's start talking about like, what are you comfortable posting? How is this your unique stamp? And really when people just start collectively starting to make things they like, um, we can move more on to like a visual process with that. Maybe it's a vision board. Maybe it's a Pinterest board. This is a lot of what I will start curating for clients and it's original, it's authentic. And what you are in real life is going to reflect what you are online. And that's such a treat for everybody that gets to work with you and everybody that gets to be around you. It's real. Yeah, I, I actually really like it because there was always so much pressure before to like have this magazine layout on your Instagram. There's still something to be said about having aesthetic if that is in line with your branding, but some people are more eclectic and some people are a little bit more raw and, and, and understanding that about clients and what they want and what they, their tastes are, it's not always going to align with other clients. And so that's part of the beauty is just, and part of the fun challenge for me is how is Aaron different from other people and how can we make Aaron's page pop? I don't ever want people to go like, oh, Mary Simmons runs that page. I want to create something that's unique and authentic to you. One of the things we've talked about is like, you know, something happens uh, in the in the world and I want to react to it, you know, like George Floyd. Like I wanted to like mm-hmm. voice my support uh, because that was really important to me. And it's hard when those kinds of things come up and you like you don't want to like totally throw off everything on your feed. But obviously, like that's way more important than having a pretty Instagram. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. I think. And, and, and it falls into your authenticity still. Uh, yeah. To a point, you're kind of like, screw the aesthetic because like, I just want to get the facts out there and use my platform. And I respect that and support that hundred percent. But yeah, if, if you're being authentic from the start, people know your heart and they know it's not as off brand <laughs> as it might seem or look. It's important to do those things. It's important to speak up. One of the things you had suggested too is like using story. Like if you did want to, like a month ago, um, there was this organization that uh, was doing like a silent auction and I was trying to support it. I think it's called She Is Hope. They were helping, you know, like women get back on their feet. So I was trying to repost everything, but I obviously I don't want my whole feed to become something else. So um, I think you were saying like using story would be a good way to do that. Yeah, it's a balance because you have to consider like who your audience is and like what they're going to respond to. And I'm definitely not saying like, don't post things that you want to post. That's not what I'm saying, but things, things will affect engagement. And there is sometimes like for this specific situation that we're discussing now, there's ways to do things that are going to benefit you and the organization. I recommend using all the different things that Instagram offers by posting on the feed, doing stories, Um, utilizing your DMs, utilizing reels, it can all be really beneficial for different reasons. You know, this kind of reminded me of uh, like, I've been 
falling into the Instagram reels feed a lot more lately. Mm -hmm. And there's all these like weird random things in there, like bark at your dog and see what happens. Mm -hmm. There's just all those different things. And I guess I'm, you know, kind of a Luddite when it comes to that, because I can't figure out where are people getting this (laughs) original footage and like, how does the, how do they even become a thing? And then is it even worth it? Unless you're just doing it for fun, obviously, anytime you're entertaining yourself, that's worth it. But is it like worth it from a growing your following standpoint to jump on these things? It can be, you know, going with trends can be beneficial for sure, especially if you can make it unique to yourself and still keep it authentic. It can be a great way to get a little more traction. But overall, I still think like your core values and your authenticity are uh, what matters most. And if it if it doesn't fall into your categories, there's going to be another trend tomorrow that you maybe make your own. <laughs> Well, I mean, I joined this website called Pear Pop, where they mm-hmm. like post these things and they're, you're supposed to actually be able to make money off of it. So if like you do their post and you get like X number of views, then you'll make $5 or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I tried one and I, I think there were so many rules. I didn't have one of the tags I was supposed to have or something. And they're like, sorry, oh. thanks for doing it, but we're not paying you anything. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And now I see Instagram reels every once in a while. I get like, do you want to do a challenge? The same thing is happening with auditions now too, is a lot of times on auditions, instead of them saying, you know, submit to this and then we'll ask you for your audition. They're like, just send us your audition because it's no work for them, right? If you do an audition, you have to read it and prep and set everything up and do your recording. And so you're doing all this free work and you don't even know if they like you for the part. And that's why I say like, don't jump onto things that you're not genuinely interested in. If it's like a trend that doesn't make sense for you, not only is that going to be a pain for you to do, but it's also like your community that's following you for a very specific reason. This isn't like what I signed up for. This is not what I'm trying to follow. Um, have you noticed anything as far as like length of videos? Uh, I was just in this uh, short film by this production company where all they do is they make these morality films. Uh, they're called Generation Hope. And I was shocked when I went to go just see how it was doing. And it had over a million views. Mm -hmm. I started looking into it and it looks like all of those kinds of videos. First of all, they're very melodramatic. It's like a soap opera, right? Everything's very high drama. And uh, they're all at least 10 minutes, if not 20. And I don't know if this is a YouTube algorithm or something. I was about to say, yeah, I think that one was for YouTube. Was it on Facebook as well? Uh, It might have also been shown on Facebook. Facebook. Honestly, I don't know where they were promoting it. Like I have seen a trend of companies doing this because there's another one out there. Um, I think it's called um, Darn Man. And, uh, and that one, I don't know what their promotional strategy is, but a lot of their videos have like 4 million views, 6 million, 8. Like it's insane. And uh, I'm trying to watch these things, but it's like, I'm like not a soap fan. And so I find it like cloying to watch like 20 minutes of this story. Uh, but like they're getting all these views. I'm just trying to figure out if that's like, you know, we're still making our Your Neighbor the New Myers episodes. Before they were one minute, every once in a while, they're like three to five minutes. But is there something to this just making a longer video? A lot of these places that are getting like a million views overnight, there is somewhat of a team. There is a lot of strategy behind it. There's a, It's monetized. There's a reason um, that it's getting that many views. When creating your own projects, I'm not necessarily sure that like if you do a 10-minute version or a one-minute version or something like that, it's necessarily going to perform better or worse. I will say shorter videos on Instagram tend to do a little bit better because people are kind of just on their phone scrolling versus YouTube where people are more... I like watching like tutorials on YouTube or something like that. Like 
I don't necessarily want like a one minute quick version of things. So it's part of the setting that you're on, but it's also considering like, okay, do I just have myself or maybe a social media manager to kind of help things get going? Or do I have like a team of 20, 50 people have a bunch of strategies in place to make sure that the views happen? I would say like, typically in my experience, videos tend to do better on Instagram if they're a little on the shorter side. You know, when you're paying for everything yourself and you're producing yourself and you're not monetized yet, we would love to be monetized. I'm sure most people out there that are making content want their content to get scooped up or to get acting jobs or sponsorship opportunities or those kinds of things. And it's like, I love to create and I'm sure, you know, all my listeners love making things, but we also like to make the thing that's going to make us some money. <laughs> of course. And I think with that, it's about getting your numbers up. And when you're trying to get your numbers up, it's about connecting and making people feel good, Mm -hmm. commenting on people, sending them an episode of something and being like, Hey, I saw that you liked something like this. Or like, it would mean, I really respect this about you. It would mean the world to me and genuinely like not spamming people, not sending DMS that are like, Hey, watch my YouTube. I don't want that. I want you to genuinely connect with people, watch their work, connect with these people, comment on these things and say like, Hey, like I saw that we both love creating. Would you mind checking out my video? And And being really authentic about it. I think that's really helpful. Do you think that social media has helped your singing or acting career? I don't think it's hurt it. People have found me and have hired me for things that I would have never been connected with if it weren't for social media. If if you're off of social media for other reasons, it's not impossible for you to have a great career still, but you might have to work in a different way and might have to work a little harder to get connected with people love to make recommendations for my listeners to help them take some sort of action. Uh, This week, I wanted to recommend someone. I don't know if you've heard of her, um, Heidi Dean. I haven't. Okay. So Heidi Dean, uh, she like, she makes these really short videos on social media marketing strategies. She especially aims to help actors and content creators. I really like her because she gives these practical, like easy to implement advice. And whenever there's like a new feature, like you said, Instagram's always rolling out something new. She will almost immediately have like a short, here's how you handle this change in the algorithm, or like, here's how you use this new feature effectively, which I need because I never know how to use the, like, I'm always like, what button? How do I press this? I just want to give her a shout out because she sort of compliments you because <laughs> you help people directly. Like you help manage people's social media marketing where, um, she doesn't like help people one-on-one. She's more like, here's ways that you can take the strategies that someone might learn from working with you. Here's how you would kind of keep them going or even support what, what somebody would be doing with someone like you uh, on their streams. So I really like her. She's got some hot tips. So if you want to go check her out, her website is marketingforactors.com and that's the number four. So that's my hat tip. I can't wait to check her out. That's so cool. Um, Is there anything you recommend? I know you had kind of mentioned masterclass. I, yeah, I just think learning, I think learning and, and being well-rounded masterclass, reading as many books as you can and having fun with discovering new things is the way to go. It was fantastic having you on the show. I always enjoy talking with you and I'm glad I'm getting to introduce you to a broader audience. Um, I'll drop all the links from everything we talked about in the show notes. If people want to work with you uh, for their social media marketing, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, email is great. MarySimmonsMedia at gmail.com. So if anybody needs help with anything in their business or their personal online presence, just email me and I'll do my best to help you.
Yeah, well, and like I said, I can highly recommend her. Um, I'll give you uh, my own little pitch. Uh, when I first started working with Mary, I started a brand new Instagram page and I had zero followers. <laughs> and after like three months, I had like over 9,000. So <laughs> it was pretty freaking amazing. So I really appreciated that. And you're uh, freaking amazing. <laughs> that's why people only follow who they're enjoying. <laughs> Thanks again. I really appreciated having you on the show and um, talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Erin. Thanks so much, Mary, for sharing your story and wisdom with us. I will drop all the links in the show notes. If you want to catch up with Mary, you can follow her on social media. Her Twitter is Mary Simmons underscore. Her Instagram is at Mary Simmons official. And her Facebook is nope, she does not do Facebook. If you're looking for a social media manager or a vocal coach, send her an email at Mary Simmons media at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Big. This episode was produced by Aaron Newmeyer, edited by Dylan Newmeyer, who also wrote and performed our music. This has been a Thunder Tally Media production.